Welcome, everybody, to the first episode of Now That's What I Call a Podcast. Uh, my name is Paul, and I'm here with my friend Will. What's up? I thought we decided on Now That's What I Call Podcast, not a now, podcast. Right, no, we got to drop the of, A. It's cleaner. We've had a lot we've of disagreement. Now That's What I Call Podcast. Podcast. Our first series, Godspeed You, Black Podcast. And I uh, thought we were going with Podcast You. Black Emperor. So, you know, it's hard to know. We've had a lot of disagreement. I actually think we did decide on <laughs> podcast you, Black Emperor, because Black Podcast is a weird thing for us to put out into um, us two white guys doing a podcast. So, we, Will and I, are both music fans. Neither of us are professional music critics. Nor um, excuse are we... me. Uh, I have published music criticism from when we were in Sorry, college. Will I, is I, a I will. Poem. Will I has, will hear nothing. Uh, no, no disparaging of what I wrote thirteen years ago. How many? How many tens of dollars did you get paid for? Your... Uh, I made no money. I was paid by in access to uh, a server which had an upkeep of uh, albums, which was actually fantastic at the time. What um, was that? I, what was that site? What was it? Was that? Tiny Mixtapes, which has since right. gone on hiatus. Um, uh, I mean, once I left, they could only soldier, you know, soldier on for. <laughs> another eight years and then they had to go on hiatus. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I ultimately published like not, not only, not even like a dozen, like maybe a dozen articles on there. And then I kind of faded away from it, but it was something I did when we were in, uh, in college and uh, enjoyed it, but uh, yeah, never really fussed with it again. So. So I am Paul. I am an amateur music fan here with professional music <laughs> critic. Will. La uh, professional music critic uh, emeritus. Is, emeritus. Um, last, yeah. former, former, former professional mu yeah. music critic. We are uh, not music critics. We are not professionally charismatic people. We are music fans, but we like talking about music. We like talking about albums and we like talking about discographies. So it is our plan, if you'd like to join us, to go through the discographies of bands we find interesting, talk about where they came from, talk about the the rise and fall of their careers and talk about what we like and i'm in the driver's seat for our first series we're going to be covering one of my favorite bands classic canadian post-rock band <laughs> godspeed you exclamation point black emperor and will what would you what's your relationship to this band um godspeed was something i got into in high school first um, I, I very specifically remember having the CDs for um, Lift Your Skinny fit, uh, Wrists and for F Sharp, A Sharp, uh, Infinity when I was in high school. Because I, so when I was in high school, like there was a time where I literally just, I, I, I used to read like a lot of those like thousand albums to listen to before you die, like those kind of. Right, kind of right. Books and stuff I think like, I actually have a thousand and one albums yeah, to listen to you before you that die. That was one that like was a big not that a lot of that stuff in there is still stuff that I keep up with, but it was a big, like, you know, discovery point for me. And I remember like being, finding out like the idea of post-rock and then just being like, what is best post-rock? And Godspeed obviously is something that is, is pretty well represented on those lists. So like when I was getting into post-rock in, in high school, I remember being really into them. And I, I would say that like, I, I, my knowledge of them is, is, somewhat limited compared to yours in that like mostly i know lift your skinny wrists and f sharp a sharp um and then the post hiatus stuff is happened when we were in college actually they came back and i remember like getting kind of into it in college but i haven't kept up with the post with like 
the most the more recent things. I um, think this will I think this will be some of the fun of this series is yeah. I already right now have a pretty strong opinion on every Godspeed you Black Emperor. Yeah. Whereas um, I, I think I have like strong opinions on like two of them from the pre-hiatus and then a large like dearth of knowledge from a lot of it and then i have an opinion about the most recent one uh god's pee at state's end because that was released this year and i tr i am trying to keep up with uh you know current musical releases and such but but yeah in general i would say like they were a band that i was pretty into in high school and also kind of like some of their contemporary stuff like the uh the silver mount zion stuff and the fly pan am uh like all those kind of splinter bands from this loose collective there are of, a of lot stock. of them there's a lot of make them. a lot of music and yes. so there are there's a big constellation of godspeed adjacent yeah projects, and so, but... like it, it's something that was big for me back in the day but i i would say it's not something that i have like kept up actively listening to but what, what about you i mean i know like part of the reason we're even starting this podcast is because you and i would kind of like text about a lot of godspeed stuff and you were kind of like like oh you should go do a re i was really to... bothering you <laughs> well, no, not bothering I, was, me. I was really bugging you to get back into Godspeed, I think around when God's P was yeah, yeah. released, their post-hiatus work is very different from their pre-hiatus work, something we'll get to. I certainly didn't get into Godspeed until college, mm -hmm. as I think a theme will emerge. I was very impressed by Will's music knowledge <laughs> and took it upon myself to listen to bands that he would mention. And really a lot of if you're in any kind of pitchfork music criticism world godspeed's name was popping up a lot i think um a question i'm going to bounce back to will what was the first music you heard that really sounded like this i got really into m83 is another band where they very all their projects sound very different from each other mm -hmm. but their dead cities album was one of the first music I'd ever listened to that was instrumental, album-based. That's a much more electronic album. It doesn't really sound anything yeah, like I, this. Yeah, I specifically remember in college, like, being into M83, and I remember one time you came in to my room where we were talking or something like that, and you were like, I was just studying, listening to Dead Cities. What is the name, oh, full name of that album? Dead Cities, Red Skies, some combination of those. <laughs> yeah, and then you were like... <laughs> studying music shouldn't make me this emotional <laughs> I was like, yeah. yeah man like that's that's what it, that's what it'd be doing to you well, yeah <laughs> I, I i i remember an anecdote from that album very clearly no names but i posted about listening to m83 and i posted something about listening to it being a religious experience oh yeah <laughs> and will knows a being religious i'm still a religious person but i was a very much more poisonous kind of religious person <laughs> back then and an acquaintance of ours replied to it something to the effect of oh you're so christian but like how can you listen to the name of a galaxy that's so many millions of light years away <laughs> and it was such an incredibly douchey thing to say like religious people are allowed to Dang, I actually, I actually, exist. you're gonna have to tell me who this was off, off podcast. I'll tell you I off not, Mike. I do not remember was. this. I, I it hope was, it wasn't me. <laughs> it was such a back and forth of the worst representatives of both religious people <laughs> and non-religious people. Todd goes in, Todd goes out. I was the very worst example of a religious person. But then to have someone basically say, well, if you're a religious person, you can't reference the names of any galaxies. And I, I was so I mean, taken aback. You know, 
that's what college is all about. It's about being the, the, the 14 the year old worst, Reddit exactly. atheist and you know, that you, uh, that's inside all of us, you know? There's so long stuff. story short, I started listening to gospel Your Black Emperor to impress Will with my music taste and <laughs> lift your skinny fists. Still one of my favorite albums. An album I'm very excited to talk about. And a lot of my music completionism is very artist focused. I will tend to come obsessed with an artist. And if I've liked a project of theirs, try and listen to, to everything they do. That's interesting. Cause I think I am more of a genre or like movement kind of person. Like I, like, for example, with post-rock, you were talking about like other music that's like this. I remember, you know, also being really into explosions in the sky um, during high school um, and, and kind of that, what I would deem like more, tra not traditional, but like what post-rock has become, come to be known as um, explosions right. in the sky kind of, kind of vibe. And so like for me, like getting into Godspeed, for example, like it was enough for me to just be like, okay, I really like lift your skinny wrists and I, and I like F sharp, A sharp. And like, that's enough. And then I'll find another post-rock band and like find right. one or two albums I like from them. And like, that's enough. And then I'll find another post-rock band. It's like, I tend to be somebody like, don't, you know, there are certainly bands that I go whole hog on and, and like the whole thing and, and, and enjoy that part of it. But, um, but I will say like, if for something like post-rock, I definitely do not have a lot of like band completionist knowledge. I'm more somebody who like kind of picks an album here or there, gets into it, and then we'll kind of like drift to another thing. Like for me, it's, I, I localize it more in the genre than I do like in the artist itself, I'd say. So we've been throwing around this term post-rock and a lot of genre labels are a little indistinct and wishy-washy, but post-rock is... Post-rock is among the worst offenders, I would say. Among the worst offenders. And I, I was talking to someone about this the other day. I think that when a lot of people use the word genre, they mean project that sounds like this band that I consider emblematic of the genre. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the interesting thing about Godspeed is Godspeed and I think Explosions in the Sky, who you referenced, since 2000, post-rock generally refers to bands that sound like Godspeed You Black Emperor and bands that sound like Explosions in the Sky. Yes, I agree. I think post-rock is, is sort of a miss gnomer or a weird thing in that like when it started out it was an accurate description of the idea of post-rock it was yes it was describing bands that were using they were doing like structurally and instrumentally things that were consistently like you know quote-unquote rock music but taking it in like an outsider kind of like art rock way and then i think the problem is that like to me like since explosions in the sky has come on the scene and, and godspeed like you talked about it means something different. Like post-rock should not be used to, on one hand, describe bands like, like Talk Talk is one that we, we've we mentioned right. often, like this kind of like- We're going to walk through that in a minute. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it, it is odd to me that like, in my mind, I think post-rock now means something totally different. And when I say post-rock, what I, in my, like when I, in, in my, in, at the core of what I'm saying is like, is sounds like explosions in the sky. Like to me, they are right. like the de facto idea of what post-rock is. It's like this loud, quiet, loud, um, kind of like instrumental, like, you know, clean chiming guitars and also like kind of heavy break like that. That to me is, is like what I think post-rock is. And I think that is, yeah. I would guess that that is true for a lot of people, but I think like Godspeed occupies this weird place where 
they were on like both sides of that. Like they were post-rock when it was kind of like, especially with the two albums we're going to talk about yes. today, which I think is, which I would almost argue so are like modern classical, almost more than like post-rock. Like it's I, a weird thing. We've looked at the, you go on rate my music, big music, amateur music, reviewing aggregator the and you look at, of all the all the hip music right music. and you you look at what's considered a top post-rock album i was very depressed by how quickly you got to video game soundtracks <laughs> yes <laughs> and i think post-rock has come to mean exactly what, instrumental rock lower no lyrics um a less adventurous post-rock band will be just rise and fall of pretty clean, clean guitar work with strings. A more adventurous post-rock group will have more drone section, more field recording, all the things we're going to see a lot of in the first album we talk about today. But those are kind of the... These these first two albums are almost the, the two boundaries of what post-rock music means since yeah. 2000. Yeah, it's a weird thing. I, I you know, I, I don't know. Uh, again, like I, I would sort of argue that Godspeed like is is not post rock in the same sense as as a band like no. Explosion of the Sky or like what is no. it like God is an astronaut? Like that. Like I feel like they all have like right. very similar naming conventions. And I have you know, a very I have an extremely long list of playlist <laughs> of post no yes of post rock band names for my post rock band. Um, but I stick podcasts somewhere in there and. I have a very long playlist of post-rock I can listen to while I'm working and it is very hard to differentiate projects. Yes, I agree. I um, think there's something sort of disposable about the whole vibe of it. You know, and not to say that I'd I say don't. replaceable. Yeah. Not disposable. It's outside of the true classics. You get to a point where I think one instrumental rock album is kind of as good as another instrumental yeah, rock I, album. I think that a, a problem for me is that like it it feels to me like dubstep. Like it, it is very formulaic, <laughs> where it's like builds and drops, and like I think that that like becomes a lot of bands. Like like right. that is, that is their thing is the build and the drop, and there's not texture in it. Whereas I think Godspeed, you know, has a significant amount of of textural work and and kind of variations within that. Right. Um, and so they could kind of continue to be like the gold standard of that kind of, yeah. you know, idea. If, if if I'm thinking about the the possible the possibly silly question of is this art? You, you <laughs> I, I do I do think that is a silly question. I circle around an idea of how much does it communicate to me that you couldn't communicate to me in a description of something similar. Yes. And for a lot of modern instrumental rock albums, you kind of describe it as, oh, it's like explosions in the sky, but with a little bit different X or Y. I'll have most of the idea. I think part of what's incredible about Godspeed's albums is the experience of listening to them is communicates much more to me than a description of what happens in the music would yeah i totally agree i also think that that is probably part of of them being like equal parts musical anarchist collective and like performance art group you know like they they feel like they have a little more you know like 
and I, I don't know that they have a unified political thing or that it's it's particularly deep or whatever. I think but, they put their backs into it a little. Yes, bit more. I feel like they they like kind of tip their hands or whatever the phrase would be. Like they they show a little bit more of like an idea of sort of a a philosophy behind their stuff that like I don't know that you know some other bands do or don't. So I, I agree. Right. Like I feel like they're trying to express something through music that maybe like somebody making their like fifth album of you know post-rock instrumental stuff you know today maybe is not uh, that sounds really judgmental but but it feels to me like there well is, this is I, we, I, are, we are judging we are judging music, music, yes, so. we, are judging music. <laughs> we are judging music but it's, i do I, I do tend to agree with you that i think godspeed has like a little bit more oomph or a little bit more kind of uh purpose in putting out what they do i don't know if that's going to hold true for all of their music for me but i think it does for this first stuff well, we're, we're going to talk about some of Godspeed's early post-rock, some of their influences in a bit. And Godspeed has a lot of influences who they sound very different than. Yes. But every a lot there are a lot of bands that are very influenced by Godspeed who sound like imitators of Godspeed, You Black Emperor. The term, po- we've, we've talked about post-rock. Like you said, post-rock originally means something like post-modern. It means kind of a deconstruction of the kind yeah. of... Yeah riff based chord progression based chorus bridge first based construction of a rock song um the earliest critical use of the term post rock was by critic Simon Reynolds who was talking about Bark Psychosis's album Hex yes, yes which is a very fun album um, does not sound like either of the albums we're going to listen to <laughs> today. Um, but that was mostly to try and communicate its electronic elements, its use of guitar for texture rather than for riffs. Um, the to, to quote from Mr. Reynolds, perhaps the really provocative area for future development lies in cyborg rock not the wholehearted embrace of Techno's methodology, but some kind of interface between real-time hands-on playing and the use of digital effects and enhancements. And I think that's come to mean something much more depressing than what he said when he wrote (laughs) it. Um, In terms of the interface between real-time hands-on playing and the use of digital effects. But that's kind of a weird quote to read because Music Concrete's been around for decades at this point. Yeah, I, I mean, I really have a, a, a deep abiding passion for um, uh, electroacoustic kind of like mixed tape uh, work and stuff from the 50s yes. and 60s. But I do think that like none of that, not none of it, there were some small bits, bits of it, but a lot of that was not done in the context of a band that performs. You know, a lot of that right. was is, is like a studio sort of workaround and it's kind of like one person or maybe a a small group of people manipulating right um sort of stuff so like it is i do think that there is some divergence between like you know becoming a band that incorporates a you know electronic and manipulative tape stuff and then being a a sort of like a a studio musician or like a, a noise musician which i do still think there's a lot of um you know, happening like today right. and that's gone all digital, but it, it does feel a little different to me having that kind of like the mix of, you know, performing instruments and kind of using effects and loops and stuff like that. Right. And to be, to be clear, like going as far, not as far back as we can, going fairly far back, some of the people we could talk about are 
the first people to start using computers to make music. Ledecky, Polino, Oliveros. Um, Croft, Croft work. My, Croft my work. Um, I adore Steve Reich. Steve Reich? I'm not quite sure. I think it is Reich. I'm not sure. Steve Reich. And I don't, I feel like I hear a lot of Reich, especially in F sharp, A sharp. I don't know if that's just because I'm hearing feared recordings Tra- and one train, <laughs> one train sound effect. I think I'm making a deeper, I, I think I'm making a deeper observation than that there are field recordings and train sounds on the album, but I think there are definitely minimalism influences and looping influences that Godspeed wields better than a lot of the other people in this space. Yeah, no, uh, I totally agree. I mean, I, I, you know, saving the specifics for when we get to the album itself, I, I do think that there are more nods to, like like I was saying before, like I think there's more nods to like modern classical music, which I think Steve Reich would maybe like fall somewhere between modern classical and minimalism. Yeah. Um, I, I do think that that is more present on this than on a lot of other kind of like, again, generically termed post-rock um, stuff that you might you know, listen to so, and find out there in the world. Two of the first bands that kind of get referred to as post-rock are Slint and Talk Talk. Again, two bands that sound very different. Mm-hmm. Uh, Will, you put me on to Talk Talk recently. Yeah, I love them deeply. <laughs> I mean, I have a, I have a real uh, abiding love for um, Laughing Stock and Spirit of Eden. Um, the two albums they did in, like, I think it was like 1990 and 89, or maybe like 89 and 91 or something like that. Um, to me, they really represent sort of like a, like tr- truly post-rock in the most uh, deep sense of the literal term post-rock. Like th- that to me is, is where I, I, my kind of, my mind goes to where it's like, it's using these ideas and structure of, of rock, but it's stretching it out and contorting it into such a way that it's like, you know, almost unrecognizable, which again, like a big part of my musical kind of, journey was getting into post-punk which is also a similar kind of thing of like you know there's always kind of limitations on like when you start making rock songs when you start making punk songs when you start making pop songs in general like things that are consumable um and not not in a bad way just things that are meant to be like played and enjoyed like there is structure and and repetitiveness that comes from it and a lot of my favorite bands kind of tend to take that and then break the mold you know with it and i think like talk talk really fits you know, into that. And to me, they are similar to Godspeed in the sense of, like you were saying, not that they're similar to Godspeed, but I I understand that Godspeed would be influenced by them without actually explicitly sounding like them. Because I don't know that a lot of people sound like Talk Talk, but but they definitely like, you know, if you haven't heard it, it's kind of their Talk Talk's music is kind of like this long form meandering um, things that kind of like mix in I'm, I'm not doing a good job describing it, but it's basically like, it's like, what if you took a, a singer songwriter kind of song, but then had like six or seven different jazz and avant-garde like instrumentalists play over it in a way that's not uh, traditional. Right. <laughs> no, no, I mean, not the, you know, talk, it is what it is. Talk, when you listen to talk talk, you can kind of feel this is an art rock band from the early 90s yes yes it sounds like art rock to me it sounds like the right. next you know step of something like a roxy music or like david bowie or brian you know like what they were kind of doing with it sounds like bowie you get pink floyd sometimes when they go really big mm. uh, but 
if you listen to a band like Slint, they just feel like a weirder Nirvana at times. I don't know if yes. you've listened to much Slint, but they, yeah, the, the the guitar tones of grunge of early '90s rock are much more audible listening to a Slint album. Um, the album Spiderland is their big Spiderland is kind of their big album. It is much more recognizably a rock al- album. They have no, rock I, songs. I think like I think post rock is kind of a misnomer for Slint. Honestly, yes. like I, I think they are more of like a um, I don't even know what you would call it, like no- noise rock, I guess. But it, like it has the loud, quiet, loud thing in it, which is is kind of like ends up being a unifying force for some of this. Is like right. the builds and the and the crescendos and the and the the the, the letdown and stuff. So I, I don't know. It's it's hard. It's hard to post all this to say that like post-rock as a term is messy and not particularly helpful uh it, it means a lot of different things depending on what band and what time period they come from but right. like in my mind when i think post-rock in like a post post mid 90s like like truly what it became as a as a genre as an identifiable grouping of bands that would like put you know, on their flyer to for a concert, right. like new post rock band. New post rock like, band. Obviously, that's how you if make you flyers. If you would tag that album, <laughs> if you would tag that album as post rock, like Godspeed right. and and Explosions in the Sky, to me are sort of like that that like the gold standard of what that kind of you know post two thousands. And as with most rock history, there is an English vein and an American vein, and it it makes a lot of sense that Talk Talk is the English vein. They're an English bands kind of following up on them are English bands like Stereolab, like a, a Bark Psychosis, the, as we said, the first album to be called post-rock. Um, I think those tend to be more jazzy and have more of that kind of yep. craft work influence. Mm-hmm. And then Slints has the much more loud, quiet, loud, quiet rock music of the American side of these Stars of the Lid being one people might have heard of, and then going into um, Constellation Records, Godspeed, Explosions in the Sky, all of that. Um, Explosions in the Sky released their first album, I think a year after F Sharp, A Sharp. Um, so probably not a direct influence, but I imagine they've been listening to most of the same things. And um, Explosions in the Sky... All their albums sound much like later Godspeed albums and sound nothing at all like F sharp, A sharp, Infinity. Yeah, I agree. I I definitely think like pre-Godspeed or pre-Hiatus Godspeed, which is their first like four um, albums, projects that they put out. And spoiler alert, all of their good albums. (laughs) All of their their best albums. Hey, hot takes. Hey, hot takes, hot takes. Save it for later. So talking about F sharp, A sharp, Infinity, the first album, how it came to be. So a... Young man in 1995, Mario Pizente, buys a loft in a poorer section of Montreal. He is expecting to use it as a recording space. And within a year, he is forced to leave the loft because um, the fumes from the mechanics garage underneath it render it unusable as either a place to live or a place to work. <laughs> um, shortly after, Mario Pizente, future member of Godspeed, Ephraim Menuk, who is as much of a front man as Godspeed has, certainly the person most associated with Godspeed, yep. moves into it. And I don't know if the business 
moved out or i don't know if he is just much hardier and more resistant to car exhaust <laughs> i but, was wondering that too when i was reading online it was like, right and then the really space was unusable and it was like next year Ephraim uses it like, oh okay fuck I, I guess they just took in that you know those hot fumes and, and just got on with their lives Ephraim has a very large beard which was naturally able to filter out ah, he the, was the original masker good job he was the original masker Ephraim Enoch, a really interesting guy does not do a lot of interviews, but when he does, he comes across as a down-to-earth guy. Uh, he is the opposite of Morrissey. He, but also as a very sad person, and as we were talking about the band sound, a person who feels like the world is very much kind of bearing down on him. And they turned it into a recording space, which they would go to call Hotel to Tango. This is a recording studio as a practice space. And it is the space where the band's Godspeed would do their first live performances. Um, between tw 10 to 20 members, just a huge ensemble, which was down to 10 for their first real recording yeah it's difficult to ascertain who exactly played what yeah. on a lot of these <laughs> yes. because like sometimes the names are just listed as names without instruments and then sometimes like the instruments are listed but it's not per track or whatever so like it, it really is a loose collective in in the in the in the truest sense of the word like it it seems like they are not that interested in determining who exactly has you know ownership listen of listen I know there's a fucking glockenspiel player on oh, there, this album. Uh, absolutely. There are several glockenspiel players and nowhere in the liner notes <laughs> does, or it say online <laughs> does it list who plays the glockenspiel. They were so, all fumed up on gas, dude. They, they were all they didn't, fumed they didn't know how gas. to like write the proper liner notes and shit. So one of the interesting things we'll say about this album is this, this, this album has two versions floating around. There is an original pressing as an LP that they do, and this is in 1997, which they do the original LP recording, recorded mostly in Hotel Two Tango for uh, F sharp, A sharp, Infinity. Um, F sharp, A sharp is the. I saw tuning. two different things. I saw one said that it was the tunings because basically it's the LP version is two long tracks. So one I saw said that F-sharp was the tuning of the guitars on side A and A-sharp was right. the tuning of the guitars on side B. That's what I saw. And the other one I saw said that like the first note of side A is an F-sharp and the first note of side B is an A-sharp. I mean, ultimately those could it's the be, same thing. Yeah, those, could those, be the same those thing. are not mutually exclusive. And then Infinity referring to the infinite uh, like locked groove at the end of the album, right. which is uh, can only be done uh, on vinyl. So Guys, vinyl fans out there. <laughs> rejoice. Vinyl fans out there. Um this vinyl is a real treat. We'll get into it later, but it is it is has a lot of charm. Um, we should mention they had a a prior EP from '94. Oh no, you already looked this. This was going to be part of my game later. <laughs> oh no, the the charmingly titled "All Lights Fucked on the Hairy Amp Drooling." Yep. Um, as far as I can tell, it's listed in their discography because Menuk and some of the other people were involved, but it's not. It's not the same lineup, and I it's intermittent when I see all lights referred to as part of the Godspeed discography, and when I see it referred to as kind of a Medic 
side project i mean for all intents and purposes it just doesn't exist like there's no right. recordings it's, of it like yeah. leaked and there's no like there were only 33 copies supposedly made um so like perhaps one day it'll get leaked onto the internet when somebody has like an actual cassette copy of it but like it's not like one of those instances where it's like, oh, there's a secret masterpiece album that's lost. Like it, it's just, it feels like an oddity in, in their catalog more than anything else. I was not able to find a recording on it, of it. And I was not able to find anyone saying that it was any kind of secret masterpiece. Yeah, uh, the thing, like it, apparently it's a vocal, like just a, it, it's like a vocal rock record. Like they're like, I think Ephraim sings on it. So like, yeah. I think it is, which is, you know, odd. <laughs> Very different. So uh, listeners write in, if you have, you a, have copy a copy <laughs> of All Lights Fucked on the Hair, breaking Camp fucking Drooling, news. Yeah, we will write in. It would really boost our profile <laughs> to be the ones to break the secret to the world. Um, we'll set up an email for this, I think. Yeah, it's going to be I'm, a nitwickup at gmail.com. I, I, that's I'm, what I call podcast. Yeah. Um, so they release the LP version. They decide they're going to tour the U.S. and then a Chicago label, Cranky, really likes the LP pressing and basically invites to them to re-release it as a CD. And so they go back, they re-record it, and then they release what is now the definitive, a.k.a. the one on Spotify, <laughs> on CD, Um Yes, we should mention if you want to listen to LP, uh, the LP version, you can find it on YouTube um, in its sort of like uh, full, it's like 38 minutes or something like that. Um, or you'd have to buy the LP itself, which is But guys, uh, guys, cool. buy the LP. Yeah, That's very cool. Well, have you, has the LP made it to you yet? Oh, I know. I, I actually, I have not um, ordered it. I listened for this uh, podcast. I listened to it um, on YouTube. I used to own the LP before I sold my like records for like the third time that I've done that in my life. <laughs> But uh, I used to own the LP and I remember, you know, I remember it had like the, the photograph kind of wedged in like the textured, um, uh, the textured jacket and then a bunch yes. of cool, like different feelies and, and I am, uh, I am all kinds of neat stuff. I am holding it right here. Whoa. It, so we live in an age of a lot of vinyl re-releases because um, millennials who grew up on Pitchfork are buying vinyl players as an affectation uh um, the classic vinyl player they call, them. <laughs> they call it a vinyl player they did they definitely um, do i'm sure people won't be mad about that the, the Cosby jacket it it has the charm of a high school art project the we have this kind of nice velvet jacket the stamped godspeed your black emperor the uh the picture of a a, uh, a Canadian railroad is clearly glued on with glue stick. There's, I think there's three different pictures it could be, right? Yes, I have the billboard one. The one I had, I believe, was the water tower, but I don't know. It's been, I haven't had it in years. It comes with a lot of lovely inserts. It comes with, um, just getting the descriptions here, there is a an old handbill, a credit sheet, a picture drawn by Ephraim, and most lovingly, I have a crushed penny hey. from Canada. So I heard that I read that in the modern ones, they're doing the U.S. pennies because the Canada pennies don't exist anymore. I think mine was I did not I did not examine my penny closely enough to determine the country. Might be, uh, you might you might got a U.S. penny there. my Right. Bud. And you get a uh, you get a picture of a train or you get a picture of a water tower or you get a picture of a 
um, a billboard on a highway, which is what the CD was released with. So we have the CD version released in 98. They tour and um, it's a surprisingly different version. And we're, not, we're gonna go into talking about the album itself in a little bit. We're gonna talk about the CD version. It's longer. There's a lot more added to it. It's the one that's easiest to find and it's significantly better than the L pre pressing. <laughs> uh, Will, your opinion, agree or disagree? I agree. I do think the CD is is uh, better than the LP for me personally. I think like there's stuff about the there's stuff the way that the, the that is structured in the original LP release. There's a couple sections that are given more space to breathe on the CD release, yes. and they also um, kind of change around where some of the what what I would call filler moments. Um, are sort of in between uh, some of the main themes. And I think it works a lot better in my mind as, as the longer CD. Um, yeah, I, I, no, no hot takes here. I definitely think that the, that the CD overall is a better experience than, um, than the original LP. I mean, but I, I, I think it's cool the... that there's two different, that there's two different versions. Yeah, like, it, I, it... I wouldn't mind having, you know, both of them or listening to one or the other here and there, but, but like in general to me, I, I think of the CD as being the definitive version. Yeah, it's it's it has a lot more space to breathe. Some of the sounds themselves are different and higher quality on the CD recording. I swear it is a different train sound. And it, <laughs> that I cannot like, speak to. <laughs> like I said, I am you know coming back in if the Paul's train sound corner, Paul's choo choo corner, <laughs> Paul's choo choo corner. It is a much higher quality train sound. Uh, we're gonna put both train sounds in so you can decide for yourself. <laughs> Write in, tell us which train sound you prefer. So F-sharp, A-sharp, Infinity, it is a, a classic of post-rock. I would say a classic generally. Will, just before we jump in, how did you like this record? Um, I like it. Uh, I like it a lot, I think. I, I think. I think it's good. I think it is interesting to me because it is not what I, it's not what I would consider to be like Godspeed in the sense that like, if you look at the LP, the second track, Bleak, Uncertain, Beautiful, which has the sad mafioso and kicking horse on Broken right. Hill, which then become East Hastings and Providence respectively in right. the CD versions. That's right. what I think of Godspeed as like to me, you know, I really think it has like a lot of that slow build. Um, kind of like finding melody out of like a ma mess of instruments and this sort of uh, right and but like the the first track nervous sad poor which is the dead flag blues on the cd um version like that really to me does not sound very godspeed to be honest with you and not not in a bad way but like it's that is more about like repeated themes and kind of like um it, it doesn't have a lot of what I, what i would <laughs> clumsily call vertical movement in right. music like right. it, 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 it is, is a very it extremely is a meandering track. Yes, it is a meandering if, track. It has different sections. Like it does transition. Um, it has you know different different movements to it. But like, it's interesting to me. Like when I think about Godspeed, I am so wired into the idea of lift your skinny wrists and what right. it means to like have a a long form track that builds into something. And I think this first, you know, the first side of the LP and the first track on the on the um, CD, like doesn't have that i still like it but it is very different and i can definitely see them like 
over the course of this album becoming Godspeed, quote unquote, like in in what I associate Godspeed as being, you know? So right. my my pitch on skinny wrists, which we're gonna talk about next time, is that skinny wrists is the perfect in-between of F sharp, A sharp, and slow riot, where F sharp, A sharp is at times a little too meandering. And where Slow Riot, I think, sometimes doesn't give its guitar crescendos enough space to breathe. Because if I... Will, you've been accused of liking what people would call objectively unpleasant music. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. Yes. And there are moments on Godspeed tracks that I think fall into that kind of quote-unquote difficult music realm. Not not very heavily, but I think if you showed a person, especially F sharp, A sharp, there would be whole sections where they would be like, what am I listening to? What is this? This is not. Yeah, which is interesting because I actually think that those are the parts I like least about this album in a weird way. Like, and I like, you know, like you're saying, I like different you like drone. noise music. You like, I like yeah. drone stuff. But I feel like in the context of like putting on a Godspeed record and what I think of as being like what I'm looking for from that. Um, it feels, it does definitely feel different to me. Like these, like, for example, if we're getting specific, like the dead flag blue stuff, like the slow moving trains and the drugs in Tokyo stuff, like, I, I, I just don't think a lot of that's needed. <laughs> like, like, like a lot of it is kind of like noise and transitions in between themes. And like, for me, it's like, unless you're going to really like whole hog go into the idea of like, we are doing this section as a noise section then I don't really like need it as a, as a transitional piece. I don't know if you have the same feelings, but like, I, 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 it's, it's something that I would like in other places, but I just don't know that it works here for me. It, it, it's something I very much enjoy on this album. Something I think that they perfect on their best album, but it's, if I was trying to pitch someone on it who was not already sold on the sections, if you're, trying to do any kind of narrative storytelling, you need tension and release. And I think that's what can feel sometimes shallow about music for me is that within the song structures, they don't really have moments of, t- of tension and release. It's, it's all release. Mm. Like any, any song that is all kind of your four major chords is, is yeah, all I mean, release. it is meant to resolve itself in a way that is... Yes, it's it's meant to resolve itself instantly without. And so I think pretty much every every single review I've ever read of Godspeed, You Black Emperor, includes the word apocalyptic. Yeah, well, I mean, they they, uh, they don't shy away from that themselves. Right, but it is clear that there is a narrative element to this music. And the narrative element, I think, requires tension and release you need sections sections that do resolve can resolve more powerfully against sections that resist resolution do you yeah. do, 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 do you agree do you think this no is I, I totally agree and i think it, it's also it's worth noting that like godspeed is as much a like visual performance art project as it yes. is a music thing like we sort of in their live um shows they do like tape loops and or like a videotape loops that is um, and show like different scenes in the background and stuff. And like, they are, um, you know, all their albums have like very, I don't know what the term would be like. It has a certain uh, vibe 
to the kind of like the design and the idea and this kind of like desolation and what they bring, you know, forward. So like, I, I do, I do definitely agree with you that like in the, in the, in the story arc that is a Godspeed song, it can't all just be like, you know, the last two minutes of like, right. You know, like that, that kind of like, Oh, amazing. Like euphoric release that it gives you. But I also think that, it can have the build without like zigzagging as much as it does in this, right. in this album where it's kind of like, it's not really going like, like to me, the best Godspeed stuff goes to like a B C D E, but it goes like very slowly and it pulls you in and like B takes longer than you think. And this one is more of like a A F G <laughs> like then back to B. And then it's, and, right. and that's not to say that it's bad. It just, it just feels like a band that is figuring out what they want to be, you know? Right. So let's jump into the album. So if you want to listen along, this is the CD Spotify version, F sharp, A sharp, Infinity. We're hopping on to track one, Dead Flag Blues for the opening monologue. The car is on fire and there's no driver at the wheel. And the sewers are all muddied with a thousand lonely suicides. And a dark wind blows. The government is corrupt. And we're on so many drugs with the radio on and the curtains drawn. Yeah, definitely a good way to start somebody on Godspeed. <laughs> yep, this is where we start. <laughs> Trapped in the belly of this horrible machine. And the machine is bleeding to death. I think that's probably where we should cut it. I just don't know how much yeah. we can play. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, so this is the opening monologue from F Sharp, A Sharp, Infinity. This is from a screenplay. So <laughs> an unproduced screenplay from F. Unproduced. I, it, I it wonder just, why it was unproduced. Oh my god! I mean, I'm so I, I like this album. I, I, I like this band, but that is like such. This a is the worst funny... part of. This is the worst part of the album. <laughs> I actually don't think that's true. I like this part of the album, yeah. but I think like where it comes from is is so funny to me. It's like, yeah, like I'm working on my unproduced screenplay, and like it's about yeah, like, like it, it just, is. It, is it fits exactly what I would think about like pretentious Canadian like art. art if rock you people. met Ephraim Manuk and he said he was working on a screenplay, this is exactly what yes. you think. <laughs> yes, this is what I would think it is. So I think, for me, I think for me, the, there um, is such a no. Go for, for it. For me, there is such a. Pretty much every other piece of vocal on this album is some kind of field recording. Mm -hmm. And I've dug as deep as I can on the internet and they do seem to be field recordings, recordings of, of, of real people, real situations. There's something so different about introducing a piece of field recording and letting those words play out and introducing your own words. These are the most, these are the closest thing to lyrics the album has yeah and they are they are heavy-handed in a way that nothing else on the album is i agree i think the saving grace is this dude's voice i think he has a great it voice. is so good i think it does so much work for this section i think like i i do agree like but like you know it, it is pretentious or or it is heavy-handed or however you want to you know uh term it but like Dude, his voice is so fucking good. Like it's so like, it's and fun. I don't know if that's something that's like manipulated, like if it's pitched down a little bit or something. But like even the way he says stuff, like I can still remember putting this CD on in my car and having him like the skyline was all twisted metal, metal. Like the way he says metal and all that stuff. Like I, I, there's something about it that is like idiosyncratic enough, and the yeah. performance is enough for me that like it it captures me. It, it works for me, it's, and I it, like it. It sort of 
shouldn't because like you said it's not it feels more manipulative than like a than a than a true field recording like some of the later stuff in this but like i don't know it, it, it I, i'm into it it works for me <laughs> that the the lyrics are very 16 year olds in an emo bands lyrics but i I've, I've been able i've been able to find no reliable attribution of this voice to yeah it's just the thing that i've seen online just said it's a friend of the band so i yeah. I've, i don't know what that so is. like it's been this part of being a Godspeed fan is they really have cultivated this kind of air of mystery mm. and but yeah it's he he has he has such a arresting voice that even when it gets very like I open up my wallet <laughs> and it's full of blood <laughs> which is like something I would have scrawled on like I don't know a picture of uh Naruto and Sasuke <laughs> <laughs> Checkmate atheists. Checkmate atheists. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I, it is what it is, but I think the voice does a lot for me. You know, I, I think the voice does a lot for me. And under that voice, they start pulling in these strings um, mm-hmm. that are very mournful. This this album has folk Americana and country influences that I love. That I think kind of disappear from the later projects in a way that makes me kind of sad like that dead flag blues this first song at the same time very little in their later output sounds exactly like this song but i think it's the great things about this song that make them better than their competitors and imitators yep i agree and so we we move from this section into a folky picked guitar um section a lot of the mournful strings keep playing out i'm going to go into a little bit of that yeah this is what i would call like the actual dead flag blues itself because it's a theme that that repeats itself later it like you said they are not shy about this apocalyptic label that they have i mean it feels like something to me like you know if you've seen like like if you played the last of us or something like that like i feel like the idea of like serious you know quote unquote serious post-apocalyptic like music has taken a lot from this you know obviously i'm sure we'll talk about uh in a moment the connection to 28 days later and like what that you know (laughs) did did for the band but like i feel like this has largely informed like especially this part the dead flag blues of kind of right you can sort of see like a group of like you know last of us type like scavenger bums like playing this sad guitar music like around a campfire this is, you know it this evokes is music, a lot of visuals this is music to play fallout to this is music to watch a zombie movie to yeah this is music to walk across a abandoned, abandoned urban hellscape the, yeah. Yep. to yeah <laughs> um we go through this this very bluesy folky mournful section for a while i think it's lovely i like it as well i, it I think this is time. a is a great you know, for something that's going to be woven in and out of the album, um, I think it's a really strong, uh, you know, central theme. And it comes and back like on in bag on bagpipes later, I think, and stuff. It's cool. Yep. And then uh, we got the best part of the album, Train Fans, right in. Paul Choo Choo Corner. So we've got our train sounds, and then this kicks off the drone section, the section which I expected to be your favorite, but you feel like this 
drone section is not leading to anything. Yeah, I think it's okay. Part. I mean, it's a lot of like, if you go just like maybe 30 or 40 seconds ahead, like uh, there's like, there's a lot of, it's kind of like this like long descending right. like slide guitar. Yeah, let's, 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 let's see if we can get some of that in there. Yeah, sounds like this. <laughs> right. You got this, this, this very distorted best with slide guitar that goes all the way down yes it goes all the way down I, it I, sounds I like it's... something cosmic dying in a way that i yeah. think is I, I, don't, I don't think it's bad i think it's okay and i understand right. where it is in the context of this it's just like it's not my um you know my godspeed like thing right and then we we go through that slide guitar we kind of go through a it's not exactly a, a drone section but it is a less melodic section mm. i guess i would say and then the guitars will pick back up um, back to strummed folk guitars. And this is going into the section called the cowboy. Yes. I fucking love this section. Yeah, this is this is some of the best stuff on the album. So we, we have this very I, I absolutely this, love this it. This undistorted slide guitar comes in and then a bit later um Drum guitars. captures this cowboy walking across a nuclear wasteland yeah i mean it definitely has feel. like that full-on ennio marconi kind of uh, yes vibe to it which i i am totally into i know like a lot of people will only kind of know him or or, or like maybe dismiss him as like being like oh he does like the good the bad and the ugly and like all that right but, like he has a really deep and interesting and cool like he was in a lot of improvised weird italian stuff in the 60s and 70s like he's done a lot of fantastic scores i know paul and i are both Huge John Carpenter fans and uh, yeah, score for uh, the thing, which eventually got bounced to Quentin Tarantino's uh, Hateful Eight. I think you want to you want to check out a more successful podcast, Blank Check Podcast, going over John Carpenter right yeah, now. There you go. A really good series. But um, yeah, I, I love this section. I think it is like to me, like if if this if this whole first track was like dead flag blues into the cowboy and then kind of fade it out i would be like right. mm, 10 out of 10 mm, so you would skip the train noise i've never yeah, been more I, betrayed I i've never been more betrayed i know and then um in what i think is judiciously doled out on this album and goes a little bit overboard later we have kind of a glockenspiel outro which I think is a lovely little moment. And this, 
this song as its own document is like we said it it doesn't really sound like a ton of their later output but i think if if they weren't capable of a song like this pretty much everything else great about them would not exist and they would be another one of the many many 2000s out artists doing instrumental rock albums that alternate between loud and soft yeah i agree i'm kind of sad that some of the and again i haven't listened to all of their discography in a while but like the dead flag blues itself and the cowboy like those kind of like more um you know like spaghetti westerny kind of like post-apocalyptic folk blues theme things like i i really like it a lot (laughs) it's it's it, it is not like capital you know letters godspeed like i would associate with the rest of some of their output but i think it's fantastic i love this first track (laughs) he has so many side projects that focus on different elements of kind of the main godspeed output silver mount zion's probably the best one um focuses mostly on the strings and the looping you really wish there was a more folksy spin-off group that had more songs that sounded like this yeah i would definitely uh jam with that the right time (laughs) um interviews i've watched from menuk he describes Godspeed as a folk band. That was kind of part of the mythology they built up early. Part of that was the large number of musicians, but it's it's clear in his interviews that something really important to him is music as a communal activity. Yeah. And if there's an ethos of Godspeed, it's kind of finding a communal activity to push back against the ways capitalism destroys human life uh he's clearly a guy who thinks that capitalist existence makes human life undoable but that these kind of social rituals are the the way to reclaim something and that for him music is is the biggest one yeah well put i agree yeah and that's you spoke on this earlier about if godspeed has earned their post-apocalyptic sound and moniker more than some of the other people of this genre and like i said you you can't find many interviews with him but this seems to be a guy who really really does feel deeply the ways capitalist modernity can crush people but who also really really believes in human ritual as a way to fight back against that so with that said we are going to go to east hastings which is a song that sounds much more like capital G Godspeed. Yes, yes. Um, even in that the opening monologue, which we're going to put on, is a street preacher, something that will almost become parodic with their later albums, that every Godspeed song needs to include some kind of street preacher uh, sound recording. Um, so we're going to hear some the opening monologue for East Hastings. California, part of this country, the United States the world, and all their billion years, if money could buy happiness and love, they will have it. But praise God, it's only salvation, it's only Jesus Christ. Holy hallelujah, only Jesus Christ. Give us peace, happiness, and love. 
So we start with the street preacher, these bagpipes, I think these lovely sounding bagpipes start looping under the street preacher. And then we move into kind of a uh, slide guitar, almost it, it's listed in the album, Dead Flag Blues reprise, a kind of callback of those slide guitars that run under um, Dead Flag Blues. How how would you rank this street preacher on uh, the field recordings of this album? I think it's okay. I like the ones um, that are a little more like an interview almost. Uh, right. Uh, which you know we will get to with with we'll get to a, and with we'll get to ride. a uh, we'll get to a recurring character a recurring character in the Godspeediverse <laughs> right the, the GCU um uh yeah I I, I like it I mean it, it definitely sets a tone you know it makes you feel like you're walking on a you know in, in a city and hearing kind of somebody doing their <laughs> doing their thing yeah um the the kind of slide guitar reprise will break back into um the main guitar theme for the middle section the middle section the sad mafioso which is uh the centerpiece of i'd say this track and the album yeah it is definitely the centerpiece of the album and this was the centerpiece of the second half of the lp and was featured on zombie movie 28 days later so let's hear first we're going to hear kind of the main guitar theme and then um a musical moment that stuns me to this day when the when the strings pop on for the for the kind of uh, shift into the climax. So as with all the best Godspeed that guitar lick starts simply starts slowly and then will build up over the course of several minutes um one of the few moments you could actually hear the band singing comes on at nine minutes 18 seconds very soft little um mournful singing from the band and and i'm sure the moments um that inspired Danny Boyle to put it on the the strings pop back on. this is kind of the the centerpiece of the album if you've heard a section of godspeed is probably this one how do you feel about this the sad mafioso section love it uh love it definitely i think it is great i think it it, it is two things it is one the they start if you re, if you listen to godspeed you start to realize that almost all of their songs are marches 
Yes. Like, like the, uh, you the, know, the, the way the drums come in. They love the military They drums. love a good military they march. They love a good military you know, And I think that this is the first moment where we see it happening on, on this album and kind of like what a lot of their, you know, pre-hiatus stuff is, is that. And I think I can yes. kind of make sense. You know, they had like, there's some morbid fascination, I think, with, you know, militarism or like mobilizing people against militarism, whatever it, it is that you want to, you know, spin you know, right, the meaning yeah. of it but um they definitely have like a lot of movement um and the apocalypse involves some kind of militarism yes, some kind of thing. and then i think also what they do really well that i i really like that i think with godspeed it is not a loud quiet loud it is a amorphous formed yeah. and then disintegration like which yes. is what i really enjoy about a lot of their music is like it'll kind of have a theme come in from an instrument and then another thing and like they're kind of like finding music out of this like kind of swirling mass and yes. then like the the climax of it is is kind of like oh now that that thing is in sharp relief and we see it and it's the most pointed it will be and then it kind of like will again dissolve into something else and i think like that to me feels so much more substantial or repeatable or or whatever it is like there's more infinitely more variations on that than there is kind of like the the you know the build and the drop yes. kind of thing that some post rock falls into um so i think like this perfectly kind of captures that right it, it feels like they 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 grasp the kind of core melody and then all of these other things start to accrete on it with the bringing drums bringing other instruments and it builds and builds and builds until it collapses and yeah. they are really really good at that and this is as good of an example of that as anything else in there discography um as we've mentioned this was used in the danny boyle film 28 days later will have you watched a clip of of this the song's use in that movie homie I, i've done seen that movie Are you kidding me have you um, ever seen him i thought it was kind of an atrocious use of the song it's, it's weird i mean it's, it's, it's only it's kind of just done song. like it's done at the like relatively close to the beginning of the film when right. uh, Kill Killian Murphy's like character wakes up and is walking through the deserted London um, that, that like he has kind of missed the apocalypse and he's like yeah. looking at it, you know, as it's, as it's already uh, unfolded. It's w weird. I, I don't know. I mean, Jenny Boyle, like I, I saw like a little interview or not an interview. I read on the wiki quote about him, about like how he, he said he cuts his movies to a specific song or idea and like, he had Godspeed in his mind when he was like cutting and the I would, edit for. I would um, believe him if he did a better job. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Twenty Eight Days Later is just a kind of a weird movie to me in general. Like the way it's shot and the whole like the sort of like digital uh, handy camness of it is 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 weird and it, it kind of like clashes to me with like the the you know for lack of a better word like majesty of Godspeed. Like it feels a little weird to be well. You show me the, that, but. you show me this song and you say, okay, this is used in a zombie movie. And I think that the first section is amazing for walking around the deserted yeah, yeah. city. But when the strings pop in, you get the big like da dun. Yeah, the stabs. And then like the march starts, and then the violins really start going crazy. Yeah, it feels like a build-up to nothing the in the movie, just because yeah, it's just so like, weird. The movie has it blew no, my yeah. mind because yeah. I'm I'm picturing this amazing scene of like when the when the strings pop back in. That's when you know, oh he he saw the first zombie, and when everything's going crazy, he's having to like clamber across buildings. But the the climax of the song happens as part of the soundtrack in a way that is no kind of climax. 
yeah. in the movie. Yeah, I know. I feel like I thought it was you know, a really weird use of a really good song because it sounds so much better in my head as a soundtrack to a zombie movie than I feel it like was honestly like movie. the Dead Flag Blues theme itself or the cowboy would be like more appropriate in terms of like capturing that kind of like walking through the post apocalypse feel. Whereas like right. yeah, this definitely lends itself more towards like some type of resolution, which the movie just doesn't do. But maybe that's the, you know the genius of Danny Boyle. He keeps you. Keeps you looking for the resolution. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's not my favorite movie, so I'm not going to like right. defend it. You're not going to defend. <laughs> I just, I, it sounded like such a perfect match. I could not believe how squandered the the climax of that song was on this zombie movie. Um, then we go, so the violins crescendo gorgeously. The drumming gets faster and faster until everything kind of resolves. And we have our next field recording. And just like with the other field recordings, I can find no reliable attribution of where this <laughs> recording comes from. I mean, from. it sounds just like a fucking like CB radio or whatever. Yeah, it's... Um, it might just be something they like picked up on, you know, a radio. was a movie guy and all I've been able to find is that, you know, he was doing a lot of field recordings because he was trying to capture film. And this was one of those many kind of snippets that he picked up. Um from here, we go into some lovely, really, really, I adore these kind of reverbed guitars. Yeah, the, the pinging harmonic kind of thing. Yeah. Those guitars kind of ping and reverb for a while. Which also we... was part of the... Uh... That was one of those tracks that was on the first side of the album with the Dead Flag stuff, and then right. cut, cut and rearranged. I think it works better. Goes here. much better. Yeah. <laughs> on it this works better song. here yeah. than it did on the on the first side of the album. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, it, it really feels like floating, floating, and kind of catching little pings of lights or energy. I think it creates a lovely mood, and then ends with the kind of real drone section into this mosquito buzz, which. I have to be careful because it will give my wife a migraine. <laughs> um, do you think the Do you think the kind of unpleasant buzz at the end wraps up the track well? Or yeah, I think it. I mean, I think like uh, again, like it, with this kind of stuff, like the 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 harmonic guitar pings and the kind of the the drone stuff, it works much better to me as a resolution to. Um, the buildup of the sad mafioso rather than being right. like stuck kind of in between themes um, on the first side of the LP. So like, I, I think it works within this context. I'm, 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 I'm into it. Yeah. And this song, this song is also a hell of a song. As we've said, it is much more a blueprint for the rest of their output than yeah, for sure. the Dead Flag Blues. So if we start the final album, Providence, we meet uh Again, a, a, a person on the street, a Vox Pop recording of a recurring character, um, a man 
later identified as Blaze Bailey Finnegan, who will treat us to his Blaze uh, Bailey Finnegan the third, thank the you. third, the third, who will treat us to some of his opinions. the end of the world has come the preacher man says it's the end of time says that america's rivers are going dry the interest is up the stock market's down you guys got to be careful walking around here this late at night this no we don't ma'am i'm sorry this is this this is the perfect place to get jumped but do you think the end of the world has come no so says the preacher man, but I don't go by what he says. So this character will appear on others. It's, I want to read a brief, this is a brief Reddit post. Oh, that is all this I could find. What you were referencing. Okay. Um, all right. So a post by Reddit user, you dank wrangler from, oh, great name. Uh, this is from 2018. I saw Godspeed back in May at the show they played at Mr. Small's Theater in Pittsburgh. After the show, I asked David Bryant, one of the mainstay Godspeed members, about the field recording on Blaze Bailey Finnegan III, which features the same character here. David told me how they were playing their first tour of the U.S. and they were scheduled to play at this art space in Providence, Rhode Island. During the day, the art space had poetry recitals and David said that this character rushed the stage, quickly rehearsed a poem, and jumped off. <laughs> That's interesting because I thought it was an open mic. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it, yeah, exactly. Um, after jumping off the stage, plays BBF3, went towards the members of God's Beach, you Black Emperor, and started rambling to them. David thought he was suffering from some sort of mental illness like bipolar disorder. David told me how they recorded it on this tape deck recorder thing that journalists would use and that it was half broken so you can hear the intervals working when you played back your recording so that is um apocryphal unsourced reddit story also very much checks out with what i understand very much checks out with what i understand this guy um he is a character who is constantly trying to pass off uh, other pop culture works as his own words. Um, even this conversation here, uh, he quotes the Hank Williams Jr. song, A Country Boy Can Survive. Um, and he will he will reappear and continue to try and pass off uh, the works of mainstream American artists as his own work. Um, I think it creates a fantastic atmosphere for the song his this is what i said the, the difference between trying to put your own words out there and capturing a character whose manner can kind of lend a character to the song i think is that's for me what makes the field recording so much more effective than the oh yeah i mean i totally agree the there's like reading. no you can't hold back whatever this guy is you know and like it's right. i you know it sounds like and i'm not a mental health expert or anything but like it, it sounds like he strikes me as somebody who probably is like 
has some type of schizophrenic paranoia thing, like right. in the sense of like, oh, you know, all of these different pieces of pop culture are like speaking to me and now I'm rephrasing them to people. You know, like it seems right. like that that kind of thing. But like you can't capture that level of uh, uh, specificity without it specificity being Specificity you know? is exactly the right words. And at, at one point, even during this monologue, he, he seems to give an aside to a customer of like no, well, no man, i was wondering that too I, th- I think like it's somebody on the street asking like if they have money would be my guess because oh. then, he sa- then he says like you guys can't walk around here yeah, but then i was also thinking like jumped. maybe he is at like at a like a vending counter and somebody's asking for change i don't know i was confused by that too but That's either way i, I mean, imagine it either either it kind of casts doubt on either this Reddit user story or the Godspeed band member story. Um, I would, I would be disappointed to not shock, but not shocked to find out that this was not a, a man on the street recording. This was some kind of more. Oh, I think it, I think it is recording. I think it is. Um, but yeah. And so then we're going to go into more. I'm, the process of doing this, I'm, I'm figuring out which words I use too much, but <laughs> I know dream- Dude, that happens to me so much when I, yeah, when I used to do uh, other podcasts, yeah, cool. I have, I have, I have four words to describe yeah. music, correct, correct, cycling through them. Um, the guitars will come in. those will cycle it these are the parts that remind me of reich you can kind of hear the tape deck artifacts as they loop in and out to create a a really analog feel um most of this song is going to be what's titled the dead Matheny section where we're some of those march inspired drums will start taking over later into the song um put some of that on And after this, we'll kind of break into the loudest that this album gets. You know, the the loud guitar, guitar, damn loud the, guitars, <laughs> the loud guitar riffs, which characterize the style of music, only really pop up on this song in two yep. places. Yep, yep. Um, is a much more spaced out. Is a much more spaced album than I remember. But I think for good. Once you've this is. You know, this is 40 minutes through an hour long album and oh, the the guitar crescendos feel so earned, I think, because of the groundwork they've laid. Totally agree. And I think if patience is the correct word, then Godspeed is proof they have the patience to really sell off the big um, wall of noise.
this love section will resolve. Then we will go into something that sounds like those YouTube videos where it's like what English sounds like to non-English speakers. <laughs> um, it, it has all the characters of a gospel song. It actually is. It's a Hazel Dickens song called The Gathering Storm, but I th- think it's maybe played backwards. Or Interesting. I didn't know um, A... It, it has the basic melody of Amazing Grace. Yes, and to me, yes, it, it, yes. it sounds like, uh, it, well, it reminds me very much of kind of the opening scenes of Bioshock Infinite mm-hmm. when you just go into the Columbia for the first time. Um, gospel music, I think it's really easy to deploy in that way where you can signal a comfort and menace simultaneously. Yeah, I agree. Where this lady's voice especially it's it's a weird disorientation of something that is attempting to comforting me but my brain is telling me that something is wrong um And from that, we will transition into more guitar, more March-inspired drumming, um, which will take up the majority of the song. And this section could be off of any Godspeed project. Yeah, that also has a very similarly to um, the Cowboy. It has that kind of like a twangy, um, you know, like spaghetti Western theme, any right. kind of thing going on, which I like for the, the, the guitar theme floating over everything. I really love it. And we will go to the final field recording, uh, a, a voice repeating where you going which is actually from the musical godspell i found that's what's <laughs> the sample from um i think both this and the hazel dickens sample create a very similar effect for me it's providence is a very long song is a 30 minute song and i imagine this is your frustration of meandering rather than building straight to one kind of final point is that is that fair to say yeah i also think like it's a 30 minute song but it's also not in the sense that like the last (laughs) seven minutes are like silence and then like a hidden track right it's not it's not as it's it's only a 23 minute only 23 minute song no but i i definitely hear you i I think it doesn't bother me that much for this one just because I think like the te- like the rise and fall is there. Um, it doesn't right. feel as meandering to me as as Dead Flag. Um, but I, I totally get what you're saying. It, it doesn't have it's like the, the smooth uh, edges, right. you know. There, there's two very similar rises for kind of a, you know, guitar and drum and strings crescendo into a vaguely distorted, unsettling voice yeah. sample. And they both... They go very similarly. Yeah. It and definitely I, feels like it could be trimmed. <laughs> yes. And this, I mean, it, it was all one song in the original version. And then 
we drone for a while and then we have a good seven minutes of silence um will how do you feel about well, wait we haven't got to the hidden track i know well no no i know oh, 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 it, it comes oh, back oh, okay. it comes back but it's well how do you feel about uh minute-long silences and hidden tracks on um i think if there's a hidden track i uh i like it like i don't i don't mind it but i think like if it like because the hidden track on this at the end is so different than the rest of the album and is like its own thing i think it works as like a little buffer but i think if if there was just silence on it for no discernible reason i don't think it would be that yeah. Will you sit and listen to the silence, or uh, will you get well, up and so when I ahead? when I listened to this, I was driving, and then it just ended, and I was like, "Oh, I guess it just ended." And then the and then the right, 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 track right. came on, and I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah. no, I guess it didn't." So like I, th- in my personal experience, I did listen through the silence, but that was just because of the circumstances. Um, but I mean, I also tend to listen to music on you know on like records, so like I I don't really skip that much. Eh, I don't know. I. If it, it's like a full four minutes, so I might skip it. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a while. It's a full four minutes. It's sometimes I feel a bit like, what do you want from me? Like, yeah. do you want? Are you trying to create an effect by me sitting here meditatively? Like, I, as part of a full listen through, I think it can be something you can require of yourself, and it can add something. But uh, I often feel burdened and annoyed by having to skip through four, through yeah. no, multiple I, I minutes I of silence. Um, and then there is a hidden track on the very end, which gets loud in the very uh, satisfying Godspeed way towards the very end. It's it's a great fucking way to cap off the album, um, and it's it's nice to offset it in some sense. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a jam. I I like that it's recorded with more space. Like it feels like more of like an in room recording. Right. Um, it feels like a bit of like a throwaway kind of thing, but in a good way. Like I don't know. It, right. it, I think it like, I it's not that it's like a joke because it because it, it's not. But I think that having that kind of thing like tempers a little bit of like the the seriousness of yeah you know like the flags are dead and everything <laughs> open up my wallet yeah. and it's full of blood <laughs> like I, I do i do think that like showing that they are you know sh- humans who like jamming at the end of the day <laughs> like is a is a good right, way yeah, to, to kind of like cap off like okay we're not like right. in, exclusively talking about like art film and you know and referencing arcane screenplays that we've written you know so i i like it i think it's a good kind of like come back to reality from like where this album kind of takes you or like the vibe that Godspeed gives off sometimes. Right. So first album, uh, F sharp, A sharp, infinity, how many wallets full of blood would you give it? I would give the 
LP version, seven wallets full of blood, and the CD version, eight wallets full of blood. So eight wallets is, full of blood. A, I think it is a it is a strong, uh, good to great album, but I I don't think it is like a transcendent masterpiece like like you know some of their their more acclaimed stuff might be. You know. Right. I. What about you? It, I think depending on the day i think the full listening experience i'd probably give eight and a half while it's full of blood mm-hmm. um but there there are there are moments on this album which i think are i mean it, it's the it's the toughest thing to give something a rating out of 10 because there are moments on this album that i find absolutely breathtaking but it it is a little meandering at points not all of the musical ideas are very well thought out and 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 I wish they got a little bit louder on the album it's <laughs> part of it like like no knowing what they're capable of later like I I wish the louds were a little louder but I get my wish very shortly but uh shall we take a quick break yeah let's take a quick break and then we'll come back uh a very hopeful break future advertisers <laughs> by by this space. Nobody will want this space. So, Will, you've got a game for us to finish off the episode. Yes, Paul. I, I uh, In the spirit of my uh, favorite podcast, uh, Doughboys, I really like that they always have like um, like goofy games at the end. So I don't okay. have a name for this uh, segment um, okay. like, like Nick Weiger always does. Um, but here's what I have. I have a series of sentences. Okay. They I'm are. I'm very excited about this. They are, you have to tell me if you think, I'm going to read them to you one by one, and you will say if you think that they are a, a, either an album title, a song title, or a band name from the Godspeed Collected Universe, Okay. or something that I made up on my own. Okay. Um, and if, cool. it is, if you think it is from the Godspeed Universe, you have to say, that makes me post-rock hard, and that's the only <laughs> answer that I will accept. Okay. And if you if you don't think it is, you need to say I am as limp as a dead flag, and that is okay. the only answer. Okay, I love it. I love it. Okay. <clears throat> and if I get three wrong in a row, then my wallet will be full. Of blood. Then your wallet will be full of blood. The wallet's full of blood, regardless. But <laughs> okay, good. Okay, here's your first. Uh, this is your first um, uh, sentence. So you'll tell me. Are, does this make you post rock hard, Paul? Right. Okay. All right. Wild dogs of the thunderbolt slash. They cannot lock me up. I am eternally free. Parentheses from lips of lying, dying wonder body number two. This is really hard with Godspeed because the line, between parody, the line between parody and, and, and truth is so that's something we didn't touch okay. on. Is that like the the Godspeed extended universe has <laughs> some it's... fucking bananas names for their songs. I mean, what that they, we've already pissed on the hairy lamps all yeah. naked, whatever. But that was going to be my first one to ease us into this. Was right. Okay. Okay. But you, you um, picked it up. So wild dogs this... of the thunderbolt, they cannot lock me up. I am eternally free from the lips of lying, dying wonder body number two. I think it is parodic in how long it goes on. So I think this one, Will, is as limp as a dead flag. Paul, you're incorrect, my man. No, my wallet's <laughs> full of blood. Your wallet's full of blood. That is an actual song title from, I believe, a uh, the Silver Mount Zion, or or um, or it's one of the. Uh, it is a song title. These are all song titles from Extended. Okay. Okay. So okay. You, so that is one. a Silver Mount Zion. Yeah, um, I, I think. I don't quote me on that, but it okay. is definitely a song title. All okay. Right. <clears throat> Next one. Okay. Their gods completed stone when hands carried the stars. Their waves were atoms, part three. 
this is this is pure metagaming, but I think I'm as limp as a dead flag on this one. Paul, you are correct. Yes. <laughs> you are as limp as a dead flag. That is from a post-rock band name generator, <laughs> which, which I did three times over and got three separate band let's, names. Let's, and, yeah, let's <laughs> let's post that one in the show notes. Um, uh, yeah, so, all right, good. You're, you're, okay, uh, you're let's, let's, let's keep going. Okay. Let's keep going. Um, <clears throat> I, I am not cheating. I, I am not looking up. Uh, oh no! I mean, it would be yeah. hard to find these. In, in the time. We are we are share screening. So yes. also, so you can audit. Okay, here's uh here's another one. And also, the lightning of plastic in the center of all its lateral compartments. For some reason, that sounds more like a Mars Volta track to me. It, that actually, that actually does sound a lot like a Mars. It Volta. sounds like a Mars. It, it's got it, it squeaks me out in the same way a Mars Volta yeah. track does. But Will, I'm post rock hard. Post rock, my my man. Yes, you are. Yes, I am. Okay, <laughs> so, uh, so, so what, what is what is that from? Um, I I think that that is one from a. God, I'm, I'm totally remember blanking on the name, but there's a um, there's a band that's like set uh set. I should have. I should have. Uh... Oh, set fire to flames. Yes, I think it is a uh, song title from a set fire to flames song. Yeah, I'm, one I'm, of what of my new recent um... Godspeed Universa inductee. No, this was this was another post rock band. I'm trying to find uh, them in my recently listened to. Um, so do do yeah, or is that is that the is that did I I feel like I won the game. Oh no, we have well, there's two more. Okay, well hit me. Okay. <clears throat> Alas, soldiers fall, fire ships, and the angels dead plunge down from heaven on us all. I feel like I know that one. I'm post-rock hard on that one. Paul, I made that shit up. Oh, no! <laughs> that is, you, you are limp as a dead flag, my man. That is, that is a Will original. I just, I just threw in some, uh, some exclamation points here and there yeah, no, uh, in yeah. places that I thought would, would be good. Okay, so you I got think right now one. you are two for four, right? I'm two and two. This is the tiebreaker. So this, this is, is the tiebreaker. This, the, is, this is for all the uh, all the. This is for walls. all the uh, marbles, which remind me of the civilization that we used to have. Exactly. All right. Are you prepared? Okay. <clears throat> From circle to circle, rehash and get lost in the illusion born of production, and increase the static distraction surrounding. That is a passage from Deleuze Guattari's classic Thousand Plateaus. No. Oh. That is. Uh, that is. I am limp on that one. Paul. You're incorrect, my man. That is a real. That is a, that is a song title. Yeah, that that is a. Uh, Which is that a? Is that, that uh, a it's another Fly Godspeed Pan extended one. Um, but I don't remember. I should have uh, written. Is that, that a Fly Pan Am? I think it might be a Fly Pan Am actually. But in the universe, I want to pitch one of my new uh, favorite postmark albums. Uh, tell me a lot. Tell me about the long dark path home from the band Newfound Interest in Connecticut, which I just found very. <laughs> I found that uh, band name very whimsical. <laughs> okay, you could be tigers, but no crashing. Yep. <laughs> you Man, can be okay, post rocks, post rocks, dumb goofy. Post rocks <laughs> is dumb and goofy. Um. <laughs> so unfortunately, Paul, you were um, you were only two for five. I was on no, that one, I, so I, you I not as my as wallet choked. was yeah. full of blood and um. Oh, I, all I, the, I, all I, the uh, leer boards, all the, of... the billboards, the billboards are leering, and. Uh, so the preacher band says, but I don't go by, by what he says. I appreciate um, you participating in my goofiness, though. Yeah, this was uh, a good game. Yeah. So if you enjoyed F-sharp, A-sharp, Infinity, um, you would like the rest of Godspeed's output. <laughs> but um, I feel like we could recommend some... Uh, yeah, there, there's not 
it's one of the reasons why I would bump this up to like an eight and a half, like a to quote our God Emperor Fantano, um, <laughs> a, a a a strong eight or a light nine, is that there's not a ton of albums which sound like this album. Um, I think we should definitely recommend uh, Spirit of Eden by Talk Talk is just a, a great um, art rock album. Um, I'd also say if you really like the field recordings and kind of tape Luffy and in, instrumental stuff, you should check out uh, The Lemon of Pink by The Books. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. And if you really, really liked the field recordings, uh, just listen to Come <laughs> Out like and Show Them. <laughs> it, then listen to uh, Different Trains by Steve Reich. <laughs> yeah, if Steve Reich is cool. I mean, Come Out to Show Them and It's Gonna Rain. Like, if, if, the, um, if the sort of, like, uh, authenticity of, like, the man on the street kind of vibe right. uh, uh, spoke to you, I think Come Out to Show Them and uh, It's Gonna Rain are both uh, really cool field recording. Right. If you're like, I hated all that guitar and string stuff. But what if it was just voices All right. So this was a great time. Thanks for joining me, Will. Hey, thank you. And next week we are going to do a double feature. We're going to do the EP Slow Riot for New Zero Canada, which I always get backwards. And then we will talk about their most acclaimed and question mark best album uh lift your skinny fists like antennas to heaven isn't it lift your skinny wrists like antennas to heaven no it's lift your skinny fists like antennas to heaven Dang, i've been saying lift your skinny wrist this whole time or well i've been calling it new riot for zero new canada this whole time so we all make mistakes we all make mistakes either way something's getting lifted but as we'll call it next time uh thank you for joining us on podcast you black emperor Join us next time for Lift Your Skinny Podcast. No, sorry. <laughs> Lift Your Skinny Fists, like podcasts. <laughs> All right. Bye. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>